This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. This week, we discuss NFL, National Football League. Yep, the Backpass panel will be visiting America right here on the show. We preview the 2022 season while trying to understand how the sport works. Hello and welcome to the Backpass. I'm your host, Ali Mawala. And with me today, I have Shivank Gurpreet and our NFL expert in the box, Kevin. Hello, gents. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Howdy. Kevin, just for this episode, are we calling you Madden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, you can call me Madden for this episode. That works. <laughs> Done. Nice and easy. So, Madden. Let's crack straight into it. The first and last question for tonight. Who wins the Super Bowl? The halftime show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like the halftime show last year was spectacular. You know, that was all the 90s R&B artists. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great fun to listen to that. Dr. Dre right. made a comeback. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. But in all seriousness, after watching Buffalo absolutely dismantle last year's Super Bowl champions, or, well, last season's Super Bowl champions, I'd say Buffalo. Mm. They seem to be everyone's favorite pick. They seem to have got a strong roster, and um, I absolutely don't know what I'm talking about. So um, everyone listening should take that definitely to heart. Um, I am... I'm very much. I know. I know the rules yeah. of the sport. I just don't know the players and the teams behind it. So uh, it's a lot, a lot of guesstimating and a lot of relying on Kevin for, for answers to uh, answers to um, questions. So maybe a, a cheat sheet or a shortcut for anybody who's looking to, you know, um, get some NFL knowledge or at least be knowledgeable. You pick the team with the best quarterback, and you're probably going to have the best team. And that's normally how it works in the in the NFL. Um, it's, so, so Brady, Brady, yeah. So, well, I, I was going to say you, you should you should also caveat that with doing a little bit of research on who the best quarterback <laughs> is. Would you say you say like forty year old Tom Brady is not the best quarterback in the league? I believe he's turning forty five this oh, year. Oh, jeez, okay. So, forty-year-old Tom Brady was the best quarterback in the league. Jesus, yeah, a while ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 forty-five. Bought in nineteen seventy-seven. Mm, yeah. Well, it's uh, and this is based purely on uh, an hour of uh, desperate Google searching in preparation for this podcast because. Uh, I know probably less than Ali about um, NFL, but um, in said Google searches, Kevin, um, Josh Allen was ranked the number one quarterback, uh, followed by uh, Patrick Mahomes, and then Aaron Rodgers. So that was the Bills, Chiefs, and Packers. Would you would you agree with that ordering? And Brady was ranked fourth. 
Yeah, I, I'd probably say Bills and Chiefs. Are all, I mean, the Chiefs have been in the AFC title game for, I want to say, three years. They've been to the Super Bowl twice and they've won it once. Um, so definitely, definitely the Chiefs. Um, Bills, as I mentioned before, Josh Allen looks like the best quarterback in the league, especially after what he did on Friday. Um, Rodgers has been the MVP. Um, he's made it to a couple of title games, but I think their team is not as good. So I probably wouldn't put them in the top four, maybe top five. And uh, I'd insert maybe, um, I mean, I was going to say the Rams, but none of the NFC teams look as good as the AFC teams. Um, so it could be pretty one-sided uh, once you get to the Super Bowl this year, but who knows? It's always competitive. Um, Kevin, for our listeners and myself, let's not pretend I'm any smart when it comes to the NFL. I've heard two things over here: the the national conference and the American conference. Could yeah. you explain to us what these are? So, <laughs> the, I, I think the way that I described this uh, just before the pod was: you would have if you if you if you had. If you cash your minds back to the '90s and um, you fought, you're a rugby league fan, you would have been around with the Super League and the um, the, the the rugby league conference um, leagues. They had the same sort of thing in the '60s in in the US, and um, they eventually amalgamated. Now, one of the leagues was called the American League, and the other one was called the National Football League. They merged, became National Football League, and hence you have the American Conference and national conference um that's how they came about right so you'd think that naturally every team in a conference plays against every team in the in the same conference and then you have a super bowl you know the conference winner a versus conference winner b like basketball kind of makes sense right like the nba yeah that's how you i mean look Literally, I needed three screens here. I needed three monitors to figure out how this uh, playoff thing works, right? Because the, I was the same as you. I was like, okay, 32 teams, 16 teams per conference, 16 game season, you know, maybe it's going to be fairly logical, but no. Kevin, uh, do you want to uh, shed a little bit of light uh, for our listeners around how this uh Fixture scheduling is done because uh, three monitors worth of diagrams and I still couldn't figure it out. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try and explain this in a way that makes a little bit of sense to the general public. <laughs> so the NFL is based on rivalries. And so the, the best way to gener generate rivalries is have the same teams play each other and also have them fight out what would be their ticket to, to get to the, the postseason, right? So each of the conferences has four divisions. The four divisions um, have four teams in each division. Makes sense so far. They play each other twice. Mm. One home, so one away. So yeah. So, so far, so, so good. good. So that takes, um, uh, if you do your math, eight games. Uh, mm -hmm. to be able to do that, right? Because you have four in each. So that's so that cuts out about um, half of the games that are available. Now, 
the problem with that is that then you can't play every other team once. So now you have to have another way to to uh, generate the schedule. And what they've basically done is gone with an approach where randomly they choose between conferences. So they'll go, this year, NFC East will play AFC West. Okay. And they play each other once. And then the rest of the games are pretty much, like I'd like to say there, I can't see a pattern to it. Um, <laughs> so the, the last four games are just basically the, um, well, actually, I think I think they also, uh, they've shifted to a um, another division competition as well. So um, it play, you play another division. Of, um, so you would play NFC East or NFC North in that scenario. And I guess, um, Kevin, it's 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 this bit that made me feel a little bit uneasy about the postseason, mm. because effectively you've got this format where you've got the six games with the other teams in your division, and then you've essentially got ten games which are somewhat random. So effectively what happens as a result of this is when you go into your postseason, you've got six teams from each conference, the four division winners, and then you've got two wildcard spots going to the teams with the best uh, win-loss record. And I couldn't help but think that the randomness of the fixture scheduling would very much dictate who those wildcard slots go to. Would you agree? Very much so. Yes, very, very much so. Um, until very recently, there was one team. The top top two teams were um, had had a bye week, and that was that's huge in the NFL because it's sure, such an attrition sure. based sport. Sure, um, having the week off. I mean, it's like it's like any other contact sport. It's like the sport. NRL postseason, right? Yeah, yeah. So having that week off makes a huge difference. Um, so the like the best example is still the Patriots. The Patriots have played probably in the worst division during their dynasty um, for a long time. Like Miami, Buffalo, Jets. Jets have only been, you know, reasonably good for maybe while Rex Ryan was there and that was a two or three year period. So when you have an easy division, it makes it easy for you to make the playoffs and then have that bye week. When you have that bye week, your chances of getting to the Super Bowl are much higher. So definitely. Um, they're also, you know, uh, depending on, and there's so many complex factors involved here. So when it, to, to have a good team, you need to have, it's not just about talent because this is the upper echelon of talent that comes through. And there's a pre-built um, training ground, which <laughs> is college football, that yep. pushes high quality t- talent into the league on a regular basis. And that's why the average career span of NFL players three years. Yeah. So, um, wow. it's not about talent. It's, it's mostly has to do with your organization and how, um, well run your organization is from your ownership down to your, um, GM to your head coach. Um, if you don't have, a good owner it, and who's willing to invest, then you're not going to be able to pay the players properly. Um, and if you don't have a good GM who can manage the cap to know when to play the players properly, then you won't have 
a quality team. Um, and so there's, it, it just rolls on from there. So you can have years where entire divisions have been absolute rubbish. Um, and which means that, you know, once it gets to the wild card, they just become fodder for, mm. for the rest of the mm. playoff. So, Mr. Madden, riddle me this. Why are the two LA teams not in the, in the same group? Um, same goes for the two New York teams, not in the same division. When it is supposed to be all about the der- the derbies Ooh. and the rivalries, right? Oh, Ali. <laughs> so that's, that's a very good question. Um, you don't see this a lot in other sports. But in the NFL, it's reasonably, I'm not going to say common, but it does happen on a semi-regular basis. If there is some sort of disagreement with the city or locale, um, the NFL owner is willing to pick up the entire franchise and move it to another location where it's a bit more amenable. So if you can imagine when some of these divisions were set up, certain teams lived or played in certain other locations, which um, I'm a Colts fan. So Colts originated in Baltimore. They, in the dead of the night, shipped to Indianapolis. (laughs) The Baltimore fans were not happy. (laughs) And even though we haven't... Understandable. uh, my (laughs) My generation have no, you know bone to pl- you know pick with this they have a team now that they've supported Baltimore have their own one, yeah yeah so but still they, they bring it up on a regular basis um and that's basically some of the some of the key factors involved like um the time so you're saying time. that is equivalent to um Manchester United and the owners going Manchester is not working out for our team we're going to uplift Manchester United and we're just going to play in Barcelona because clearly the weather's better there. The beaches are better in Barcelona. And there's too so, many levers you can pull. <laughs> and there's more extra levers. We gain yeah. extra levers by, by being in Barcelona. And then we can start FDJ. No, Ali, I think Man City have literally done this. They, they've created another team from Manchester based in Dubai. <laughs> there, there are secret passageways between Manchester and Dubai that, that allow them to function in this way but basically it's a way of saying if a rich billionaire's had enough because the city council and them don't get along they can throw their toys out of a pram and walk away yeah yeah if if old trafford was uh you know in disrepute then potentially which it is (laughs) well (laughs) i mean it's it's history mate it's it's you can't just take down (laughs) traffic So, so basically, history's got no place in the NFL. Mm. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, like uh, five years, well, yeah. I'm going to say five, yeah, five years ago, the NFL didn't have any teams in LA. Yeah, closest team was San Diego or San Francisco, one of the two. I, I'm not too sure about geographical distances, but now they've got uh, a team in San Diego's closer. Yeah, okay. Well, Shavank's all about supporting teams with no history. we make history we make history every single day rather than relieving something that happened 20 years ago that's why the NFL is appealing to me that's why I'm a 49ers fan it's all about 20 years ago it's all about the history (laughs) Um, you might be disappointed to know I'm on this 49ers crew as well 
So, Jay, what what's going on? Like, I can't figure out how this whole postseason thing works. And then Shavank and I actually end up supporting the same team for the once. same team. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, Mr. Madden and I had like a long chat a couple of weeks ago about picking a team to support, and we narrowed it down. <laughs> and turned out 49ers was one of those teams um, that was on that list. We might all just be backing 49ers for the season. Oh, I like, love it. We might just I be like, it. let's ride the 49ers wave all the way to the Super Bowl. Well, they so 49ers should make the playoffs, right? They've got oh, a strong team. They've got a good-looking team. and Yeah, so they, they should. Um, the question marks, well, I mean, they made the AFC title game last year, uh, NFC title game last year. So they're they're a very very good, well run franchise. They've got a good GM, good ownership, and also a pretty fantastic head coach. Um, without getting into the weeds about you know offensive coaching strategies and too much about the history, this guy is the son of a coach, and he's been to two Super Bowls, both of which he's lost the exact same way. But it's, it's worthwhile noting that he's gotten to two. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what was it, what was rather concerning in this uh, list of NFL quarterback rankings was uh, Trey Lance, the uh, 49ers quarterback, was ranked dead in the middle, 16th position. Is that cause for concern? Uh, Is that fair? Years, it's it's. It's a little bit high, I reckon. Ooh, um, I'd say, uh, but Here come there's, the a good, there's, there's a good reason for it. I'm going to qualify it. Okay. So the reason why it's high is uh, I believe like um, past behavior is a good representation of future behavior. So his past behavior is... Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ali really didn't want me to talk about this. <laughs> so that's that's an alarm before I get what uh yeah. eliminated. <laughs> Your burn was too sick. The fire alarm went off. Um anyway, getting back to the point. So Trey Lance hasn't really played a lot of NFL snaps. So by that logic you know he hasn't really done anything to put him in that 16th position um i'd probably keep him as maybe unranked or maybe bottom bottom 16 or somewhere like that and um, leave it at that but he's got a lot of talent he's a he's a good tall big mobile with a strong arm athlete uh for all intents and purposes i believe he's got a good head and shoulders and um so he should should perform reasonably well the other thing I'd say is that 16th is not maybe 10 years ago would have been pretty average. Nowadays, it's not. The quality of quarterback talent has gone up sure, in the last three sure, or four years. Sure, yeah. sure. And actually, actually, on this, Kevin, for our listeners, would you just mind um, and boiling it right down to basics, but just talking about why the quarterback is so important? Yeah. So you can break this up into two halves. One is he no other player in in the team so there's 53 people um 
that, that can 50, touch the ball. 50, 53. Wow. Yeah. And I, I thought no I thought pl- I thought Chelsea had a big roster, but fifty three, goodness me! Hey, our our loan army doesn't like doesn't even scratch the surface of how big no, an NFL roster no. can be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we even have the pra- there's a practice squad as well. So not including the fifty three, there's an additional group of players that can be called up at any given point in time, depending on injuries. Um, so it, it's not a small, it's a it's a mini army basically, and that's why there's three teams. You've got your offense, defense, and special teams um, that split up the roster. Out of all of those players, I'd say maybe f- more than 50% of the ball touches, so person who would handle the ball, is um, done by the quarterback. Any All of the offensive snaps would be touched by the quarterback. The quarterback would also distribute the ball as well. So if you have a running play, the quarterback's the one who takes it from the center and then gives it to the running back in most cases. Um, if you have a passing play, he's the one who would throw it to the wide receivers or the tight end or the running backs out of the backfield. Mm. So, um, so I guess so in, in rugby terms, it, it and, and I was trying to compare it to, uh, so in union we have the halfback and the fly half. The quarterback mm. isn't actually either of those. He's both, right? He he is yeah. the halfback and the fly half in in one. Yeah, he's pretty much yeah exactly. That's that's exactly what he is. And on top of that, he's also the modern day quarterback. Especially when we're talking about that upper echelon of players. So if we say maybe fourteen to about yeah fourteen to fourteen to one. You would have um, this role called the field general. It was pretty much developed over time, but I think the key um, man who's responsible for it was a bloke called Peyton Manning. I don't know if you've heard of him. Sure. Pretty special mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and like in no other sport, he is a he is a coach on the field who knows the playbook well enough that this, the, the position of where the players come out and stand is given to him by the, um, the, the offensive coordinator, the play caller. But then he dictates everything else. And that field general position is it, – it's make or break. It, it manages the clock because um, from a timing standpoint, how long you hold the ball, knowing when to change the tempo to, to you know tire a defender down, um, tire defenders out and knowing when to hold the ball so that you can um, you know, uh, uh, keep your defensive team um, fresh, things like that are um you know so important to how the game is actually played and won the quarterback is is in charge of most of that in the field general role mm-hmm. hey um so we've spoken about the fact that there's 53 players in a team we've spoken about the quarterback we've spoken about the wide receivers or the um blindside receivers or everyone um we actually haven't discussed how do you win a game <laughs> or what the rules of the score, game are score more points than the other team <laughs> yeah but what's the process of scoring points because um, okay yes you you get f- four attempts to cross 10 yards and then you know you rinse and repeat until you get to the final side mm. that's the very basic that I understand Kevin but are there more rules that our audience should be familiar with to watch the game just as a spectator um I think that's probably the first step. 
Step two is then understanding um, the different types of plays that are involved with getting to um, uh, getting further down the pitch. So similar to rugby and league, it is a game where you take the ball to the other end of the field and get the mm. ball into um, a designated space at the end called the end zone or you know try line, similar sort of concepts there. In, in NFL, you break the plane. So you take the ball past the plane, this invisible line um, or two-dimensional just wall. Just over the line in any way. Over the line, yeah. yeah. You just have to break it. You don't actually have to go technically over it. Um, and as long as the ball is across it, then you score what is six points. Then you have your extra point, which is the same as like a, a field goal or a goal kick. Um, one point there, um, but you can also take a uh, a, th- a two point shot, um, or sorry, a three point shot, the equivalent to a penalty goal in um, in rugby in rugby league. Um, if you are, if you feel like you have a kicker that can kick it through the posts, um, uh, and you have a available down, so uh, typically what happens is if you have a choice, once you get to fourth down so after your three um, attempts whether to punt the ball um, whether to kick a field goal or to try and go for an additional um, attempt at breaking that uh, at, uh, the ten yards. yeah the 10 yard gain so that that line once you break it it resets and mm-hmm. therefore you know you can go forward but if you if you do go for the fourth um, fourth down play, um, and trying to break that uh, line for 10 yards, but you don't make it, you hand the ball over immediately, which is often, from a tactical standpoint, not a good idea. Um, you yeah. have to be really confident that you can actually do it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like league when it works like that, right? Like it's like you have to yeah. kick on the last the tackle. Fifth, fifth, otherwise, yeah. Exactly the same, yeah. 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 Otherwise, you're, you're stuck with the ball at the halfway and the other team gets to have a, mm-hmm. have a shot. Kevin, just building from what Siobhan was saying, so you know the objective of the game is to cross ten yards and eventually to score a touchdown. Mm. One of the things that I found uh, really fascinating was we, we all, I mean, massive football and league and union fans, and 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 these sports are a lot about the transition. You know, um, effectively, the transition is where attack turns into defense, right? Or Defense turns into attack, and you've got this counterattack going on. But but in but in NFL, you've you've literally got eleven other <laughs> players coming on to defend, right? And yeah. for for most of the last twenty minutes, we've spoken about how important the quarterback is. But the quarterback is important to the offensive part of the game, right? So when that defensive team comes on, who who is calling the shots on the field, right? So you've your 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 Tom Brady or your Trey Lance have gone off and, and the defensive guys have come on. Who was calling the shots at that point to stop the other team from scoring? I so, love how Grupri just put um Tom Brady uh, Trey Lance in the same bracket, same as, bracket Tom Brady. as Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean those are the only two names I know, Ali, so <laughs> Um <laughs> good question. Very good question. Uh, with, with the defense, 
<laughs> with the defense, um, it's a little bit more up to whoever the smartest player is on the field that has the greatest amount of vision. And so that can be a schematic thing as well. So I'd say about a large proportion of teams nowadays would have their linebacker being the that person, the play caller, um, because they're both not too far away that they can't see what's happening at the line of scrimmage, which is where the big boys basically ram heads. Um, and yet they're not so close that they can't see anything, you know, on, on the peripherals. Um, classically, I think safeties. So these are the guys that would be your f- equivalent to a fullback from a defensive position standpoint. Um, they would, uh, be also playmaking, but I think most of the, t- most of the time nowadays it's a linebacker. Yeah. So you do need a really good linebacker as well, um, or a series of linebackers, but they split that up. So there's two linebackers on the field, um, sometimes three. uh, Sometimes they may only have one and they'll have three safeties or three defensive backs or something like that, depending on what scheme that they have. Um, But, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. just a little bit of insight into the complexities of the game. Uh, Kevin, there's one more thing that we touched about. Uh, early on in the show where you said, you know, the general lifespan of an NFL player is three years. And part of the reason you attributed to it was the um, structure of college football that you have going on in the US, you know, the NCAA thing and everything. Um, It's very different to what you'd associate with the rugby league over here or the rugby union Mm. setup over here. Mm. And it's also completely different to how football works in Europe. Um, so soccer works in Europe. Can we just so basically is it the same kind of competition that happens at college level, or is there any difference? The game is uh, almost the same. There's some slight variations in rules. So things like um, you to complete a pass um, and stay in bounds, uh, you have to do you you need you need only one foot. Um, whereas in 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 the professional game, as I'm going to call it, um, you need both feet. Um, also, in the professional game, if you get, yeah, for instance, if you if you fall to the ground, like you just slip over, the game doesn't stop. You can get back up and start running again. In the college game, you can't. So that's things that they've done to preserve the. Um, but to reduce the number of contacts. Um, there's some other changes in the rules that I won't get into. Um, they're more complicated to explain and would bore most of our listeners <laughs> to no end. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the last one, obviously, is the width of the field. It's slightly bigger and the, the shape of the ball is different as well. Um, oh, okay. That's yeah. interesting. So the, the shape of the – yeah, there's a good reason for that, and that's because um, – there's younger athletes being involved, so the hand size is what um, dictates uh, that. Yeah. Uh, um, in terms of a structure, there is no structure in college football. There's no – basically, as I like to describe it, a whole bunch of lads get into a room at the end of a college season and just go, who are the teams that look the best? And we're going to pick four of them, and they'll play in the college football playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so terms like style points get called in, like you know, get <laughs> used a lot when describing how 
how certain teams have made it. Um, it's 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 a little bit more fairer now uh, because a lot more teams define get fairer. Define fair. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's an interesting point. Thank you for <laughs> raising it, because there's not a lot of fair things about the college game. Um, and but I, I was I, I about wa- to come on to one of them. <laughs> there was a nice okay. segue planned. Okay, perfect. So just before I, I hand that over to Shivank, um, there was a time period in which not every college football game got televised, which meant that if it didn't get televised, nobody saw it. They only saw the box score. So if you can imagine a whole bunch of lads sitting in a room talking about style points for a particular game that they've never watched. <laughs> <laughs> not sure how fair that is. <laughs> Speaking of fairness and things being televised, uh, another consequence of things being televised is all of a sudden your college football players are a lot more recognizable mm-hmm. and their names, image, and likely likeness are a lot more prominent now than they were in the past. And this become a huge thing in college football in the US where, you know, there are colleges that are making millions of dollars mm-hmm. off these athletes or young prospect athletes and the coaches are being paid in the millions. But the my simple understanding is the players aren't getting a fair share of the bargain. And it's erupted into this entire mess called the NIL um, stuff. Can you talk about that a bit for our general listener? Yeah. So let's take a step back. Um, so it, it is an amateur sport for all intents and purposes for the longest period of time. Um, we've spoken about amateur sports before and how they get set up. Often in those scenarios, the league doesn't have a lot Mm -hmm. of money. But the one thing about college football is that it is really the only gateway, the true gateway to get to the professional game. Whereas when we talk about amateur sports, if there is a professional version, there are a multitude of methods of getting there. So if you're not a student athlete that plays at a college that's done well, and gets recognized, you won't get drafted, and then you won't get signed. And if you don't get signed and drafted, in the best case scenario, you're probably not going to make it onto an NFL roster. The second part to that is that the higher you get drafted, the better chance that you have to stay on the team to get your first big paycheck. So in in the NFL, um, rookies are on a rookie contract they get like the higher your drafting is, the more money you get paid. Um, if you don't make it to your second contract, you're on your rookie deal. It's still a lot of money, but it's you know far short from the tens of millions of dollars that you can make. Um, and then the socioeconomic situation has changed quite a lot. So a lot of these guys are um, African-American athletes, minority groups who come from impoverished neighborhoods, don't have a lot of money. They play the college game to get to the professional league to make a bit of um, to make a bit of money that way because that's probably the only thing that they're good at. They don't get paid in college; they injure themselves and they'll never make it to the professional league. And that's really what it comes down to. You have these multi-billion-dollar uh, amateur game, which most of the money goes to the colleges and the coaches and colleges invest all of their money into facilities there is a flip side to this that a lot of 
American athletes outside of football and basketball and baseball will, will, you know, make comment about. And that's the money that's not going into paying these players goes into funding the other sports. And it's an argument mm-hmm. that's, that is kind of justified because if you think about it, the US, even though it's got, what, 200 plus million people, um, yeah. still has from a, you know, Olympic standpoint, talented athletes coming out of there. Um, and there is a, a legitimate conversation and argument to be had when saying that, um, these sports wouldn't be funded as well if football didn't, uh, did pay their athletes. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of gray area over here, but then it gets weirder as well as you dig into this deeper. Like I get the total, I get the entire angle about college football subsidizing all the other sports and actually having programs that allow athletes to flourish in other ways. But surely your coach is getting paid $5 million a year. It's a bit <laughs> absurd for a sport that is still classified as amateur. Yeah. 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 And especially that as well at that level and the amount of the facilities, like if it was, if it was just like, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice stadium. Like pretty much every single one of the um, college, college football stadiums is better than Eden Park. It's larger, it's better than Eden Park. Yeah. Every single one of those colleges, right? As disheartening as that comparison is. And that, that's the national stadium of a country, of a World Cup dominating, a sport dominating team. And it's not as good as a college stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the most stark example of this was, um, I think this is going back three or four years when... United played uh, Real Madrid at Madrid. Michigan Stadium. Uh, no. That had a sellout crowd of 109,000. My, my aunt actually went to that game. And I asked her, like, oh, which NFL team plays at Michigan Stadium? And she was like, no NFL team <laughs> plays there. University. <laughs> it's, a, it's a college stadium. I was yeah, like 109,000. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that is exactly what you're saying, Ali, right? That is that is yep. three times Eden Park, right? Exactly. It's like, wh- what are we going to do with this extra 10 million we have this the, over the next five years? Just build a bigger stadium. Just build it better. I was going to say um, one thing that I would say about like the, the college football game that's very different from that any other amateur sport is the investment from the local population in the college team's success is mm-hmm. huge. It's, it's a cultural thing. Like, I mean, uh, you know, what university you study doesn't really make much of a difference for most of us who, who live in Australia and New Zealand, but for, for, you know, Americans, it's a huge part of who they are. Um, and that also results in some crazy stuff happening. Like I've heard stories about, you know, um, boulevards where trees have been around for a hundred years that have been, you know, the entrances to these, you know, uh, schools or these uh, universities being poisoned because they lost against another team or um, they beat another team too badly. And this guy just wanted to get revenge. So there's stuff like that 
that sort of, I mean, it's almost football hooliganism at the amateur level. You know, you hear about this kind of stuff at Man U and, you know, um, EPL, and we talk about toxic fans and things like that. But, yeah, it's, it's the same sort of thing that happens at, at the... Um, you you could have just said Liverpool fans, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying very hard not to. Trying very hard. I mean, you use the word toxic, right? So, you know, it's pretty much a synonym. But uh, to your point, Kevin, even last night, I think with Notre Dame's game, yeah. What happened at the end is very much what you've described with how the streets have been after that result. Mm. Notre Dame, I'm going to pronounce it properly. Dame. <laughs> um, is is uh is one of the better footballing and more historical um historically known uh college football teams. Um they're currently sitting in a zero and two, and they lost against. Uh, I want to say the the Stampeding Herd. That would be Marshall. So they they lost against Marshall, which is not a not a very good team. Well, they're, they're decent enough, but anyway. So to put it frankly, you have hooliganism plus death threats plus potential coach who just got hired six months ago. Um, well, even less than that, three or four months ago, um, getting racial abuse and stuff like that. So it's not it's not an ideal situation for you know for them at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my only link to Notre Dame, and the only thing I can actually think of is the movie Rudy, yeah. which is a really, really, <laughs> really old reference. And Notre Dame sound like they could probably use a Rudy or two in the team. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's actually based on a true story, by the way. Like it's not yeah. completely a script. It's um somewhat. I think it's based on a couple of uh, players through their history, but it sort of speaks to their culture. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have time for tonight. Thank you very much for Madden and his his taking the time out tonight from his busy schedule to join us and explain everything NFL and answer a whole myriad of questions for us. As usual, you can join us and our crew and get sports nerdy with us on our usual channels, which is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Backpass Podcast. Lovely hearing from you guys. Thank you very much, gents.